0: Absolutely wild as Vern Ganya's all star wrestling goes coast to coast and continent to continent. The greatest wrestlers in the world. He may be an apprentice
1: carpenter, but I guarantee you he is a seasoned ring veteran. I've been hit with bar stools,
0: bar rags, bar maids. I'm talking to you. They're scared that Hulkamania is still running wild. I got a big, fat wife and nine kids at home, and I got to feed them. And take a look at Jesse the body in
1: real life. Open your hand once
0: if you would. You want to see it?
1: (laughs) This is absolutely unbelievable. Totally, completely out of control. He's coming in over the top. Hey, look out!
2: Welcome in to this week's edition of AWA Unleashed. We are the preeminent number one podcast dedicated to telling the stories and reliving the memories of the American Wrestling Association. My name is Chris Tubbs. I am joined, as always, by Mick Karch, or uh, how shall we say it today, uh, Mick? Mick Karch! me cro and uh, how would you say uh, how would you say Polish Joe
0: polish Joe right <laughs> no it would give it the same tone polish Joe
2: <laughs> there you go as uh, as you guys can tell uh, this is going to be a show that is going to be dedicated to the late uh, Sheikh Adnan al Casey who we lost uh, just a week ago and someone who I know it was very near and dear to you mick and joe so this is going to be a show that is going to talk about your experiences with him it's not going to be so much a chronological reliving of everything that he accomplished but rather more encompassing uh him the individual and the everything that you guys had a chance to experience as being friends with him. And, and I will say this before I'm going to hand it over to you guys. We talk a lot about uh, the individuals being polar opposites of the performers that they portray. This might be one of those perfect examples that the individual that you guys knew was so different than what the, the fans out there saw. And with that, I'm going to let you guys take it away, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take myself out and just put up those pictures, and I'll jump in periodically, guys.
1: Well, to Chris's point, and Joe, you know this as well as I do, um, nobody played his role better than Adnan Al Casey. I mean, arguably, outside of Bobby Heenan, uh, Adnan, and he might, you know, it's touch and go there. Uh, Adnan may be the single most hated wrestling personality, wrestler manager uh, in the AWA history. He was an amazing character, Uh, full-blooded Iraqi, you know, none of this, uh, you know, where you get a Japanese guy who was actually Hawaiian or, you know, whatever, uh, or a Russian who was actually Canadian. Adnan was the real deal. And, um, he, he lived and breathed the gimmick when he was on stage. When he was off, when those ring lights were off, you wouldn't find a nicer, funnier, more witty, hysterical, and caring individual than Adnan L. Casey.
0: And we'll get into some of those uh, real-life stories of Adnan. Uh, but the one point that, I wanted to touch on that you brought up, Mick, about him being the most hated gimmick uh, in the AWA in terms of not, I shouldn't say most hated gimmick, most hated personality. So growing up watching the AWA in the 1970s, uh, the Bobby Heenan family, uh, I, I don't think it's arguable, arguable, but anybody can argue anything nowadays, of course. Uh, but Nick Bachwinkle and Bobby Heenan were extremely hated. I mean the, the entire Heenan family. Well, fast forward a few years and I remember attending a match. and the main event was Sheikh Adnan El Casey against Nick Bachwinkle. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, Heenan was not. In Nick Bockwinkle's corner, but I don't think that would have mattered. What I found interesting and what strengthens the point of Adnan being uh, the most hated was that Nick Bockwinkle, for the first time that I could ever remember, was actually cheered and Adnan was booed. The crowd had chosen their corner, and it was not Sheik Adnan LKC. And as Nick Bockwinkle said when I first met him, "Then I must have done my job well, young man. Well, Adnan, you did your job well because you got over as being the most hated manager, wrestler, personality in the AWA. And for many, many years.
1: No question about it. it. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, that Bachwinkle, uh, baby babyface evening uh, without Bobby Heenan in the corner. Uh, there he is in, in <laughs> all his glory, Sheik Adnan LKC. And this is something that's really interesting because in talking to our, our uh, esteemed leader, uh, Chris Tubbs, early on, he found it fascinating that Adnan really was – a classmate of Saddam Hussein Mm -hmm. and actually went to work for Saddam Hussein. You know, you get a lot of gimmicks in wrestling. Everybody claims something else, but yeah, Yeah. this,
2: this was the real, This, this, this was legit. And it's, it's hard in the wrestling business. When you find something that is that authentic, that you can go back and you can trace the lineage and it's real. Like it's, it's not a gimmick. It's a shoot. It's not something that they fabricated for the sake of a story. Right. And yeah, the, the more that, you know, I, I was, you know, looking and you guys were telling me, I just, I find that so interesting that this was all part of who he really was.
1: What, what is even more interesting about that is how that relationship came to a sudden halt and, and actually kind of evolved into what could have been a dangerous situation uh, for Sheik. There you see Saddam Hussein and Sheik Adnan LKC. and And, Joe, I know uh, yesterday at uh, Adnan's service, you were talking about the position that he held in the cabinet uh, for Saddam Hussein.
0: Yeah. I mean, Adnan was revered uh, in Iraq and certainly by Saddam Hussein. Um, There's the one story, well, two stories, but the first one was uh, was told yesterday by uh, Adnan's nephew. And that was when Saddam would negotiate. He would be in this room and there would literally be piles and stacks of $100 bills that Adnan would bring in whoever he's negotiating with. And then before the negotiations would start, He would take his gun out and put it on the table and say, okay, now let's talk. Well, the other story, um, and this is the one that really freaked Adnan out. And when he told me, I'm like, holy shit. Uh, I was actually um, just amazed. But Adnan went back to Iraq and asked if he, you know, where his old childhood Good friend was, and the the guards, the the military said, "You want to see him? Okay, let's go." They brought him to the basement of this uh, building. I don't know if it was a government building or just you know some building that they did this to, but they brought Adnan down to this basement, and well, his friend was in there. Um, he was lying face down on a table, uh, all four limbs tied. You know, just sort of spread eagle. And there was a fire hose on full blast shoved up his ass. And as Adnan told me, he had water coming out of every orifice. He had been there for a while. He was uh, ballooned up um, with water weight. And Adnan said he knew right then and there that he needed to get the hell out of Iraq because he he just did not feel safe. And to the best of my knowledge, that was the last time that Adnan had gone back to Iraq, at least as long as Saddam Hussein was alive.
2: So uh, let me ask you, that kind of answered the question that I wanted to, to follow up on. So to, to kind of follow up on that, guys, and, and I don't know if you can answer this, but was there ever... Did you ever get the sense that he was kind of kind of tiptoeing that line about his former relationship? I mean, did, did he very clearly try and, and separate himself from what was going on when he was over here to, to for people to not have that perception that, you know, he was he was in favor of everything that was going on? Like he was a proponent of everything that was going on over there, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to remember for the wrestling storyline when Adnan was here and tensions with Iraq were really starting to go out of control. Yeah. Um, I mean, he made the most of the gimmick. I mean, it's uh, you know, he, he I don't even want to say right place, right time, because that that kind of minimizes it. Um But Adnan was in character, you know, and when he's in character, he's going to be supportive of Saddam Hussein. And he'd come out on TV and, you know, Saddam Hussein is waiting for me. He's got the parade. He's got the caravan. He's got away from the situation of television, et cetera, et cetera. Adnan's an American citizen at this point. And, you know, so he had become a, a persona non grata. Uh, with the, with the uh, Iraqi government Okay, and,
2: and that, I guess that was that was my question Like, yeah. to, you know, to Not, not in front of the, the, the camera But I mean, to everything To, to make sure that, hey I, I am, this is my character But I, I am not Like, in favor of all of this Despicable shit that's going on
1: Oh, absolutely Yeah, there, there's okay. no question about it In his real life, in his personal life The people who knew him Knew what he was really all about
0: Yeah, and uh, Chris, um, keep in mind early on the whole relationship with Saddam started because Adnan was a phenomenal amateur wrestler. Right. Yeah. You know, so he he came to America, went to Oklahoma or was Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Oklahoma Yep. Oklahoma State. And uh, if if I'm not mistaken, he won national collegiate wrestling. Championship, he
1: absolutely did. Yeah,
0: a little quick side story. He actually beat the father of the best man in my wedding for that championship, just small world there. But Adnan, Adnan was so revered, they had, I mean, they had Andre the Giant come over and wrestle. I mean, this was early 70s, I believe, but uh Andre the Giant came to wrestle Adnan, Adnan won, of course, because, well, it's professional wrestling, in front of a sold-out arena, and Adnan went over, and that's what was supposed to happen in Iraq, of course, Um, but he was, he was, the 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 rick flair of iraq he was the the rock the stone cold steve austin the the Vern ganya you name it and adnan was he was king in athletics in iraq in the in, in his early career
1: tremendous athlete uh tremendous wrestler uh obviously as you said there's an early picture of uh adnan and i that has to be before the the Billy White Wolf transition. Uh, that that goes way back. Um, you know, Joe. You I I, I want to touch on what you said about the sellout crowd that he wrestled in front of in Baghdad. This was not a sellout crowd of seventeen thousand or eighteen thousand. This was a hundred and fifty thousand people. So when they talk about the biggest wrestling crowd in history, uh, that very well may have been it. And yes. It was a very smart move for Andre to do the job for Adnan. Uh, otherwise, Andre might have been part of the landscape at the, <laughs> uh, at the Baghdad airport. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we're going to just kind of gloss over. And I don't mean to use that term because you can go on the Internet. You can see all the championships that Adnan won over the years. And there were several singles championships, tag team championships, you name it. We're going to talk. A little bit about that but more about the man himself and we got to start with that billy white wolf persona because here <laughs> you've got this iraqi comes to the united states in the late 1950s and he had the look of a native american and lo and behold all of a sudden you've got billy white wolf and there he is and you know it's interesting when Adnan first came to the awa and he's wrestling on television it didn't click with me right away who this guy was, but I knew I had seen him before someplace. Finally, it came to me, wait a minute, wait a second. This chic was Billy White Wolf. And Billy White Wolf, of course, was a tremendous baby face, uh, wrestled in the uh, Pacific Northwest, wrestled in the South, uh, and eventually, of course, went to the WWWF, uh, teamed up with Chief J. Strongbow, <laughs> and won the tag team championship in that promotion. And Joe, you and I have talked about the, uh, the irony that you have an Iraqi and you have an Italian-American and they are wrestling as American Indians, professional
0: wrestling. Yeah. It's it sort of it, – <laughs> I'm, I'm just laughing because it's so ridiculous. Um, but but I, I look at sort of the bigger picture of it and how wrestling itself has evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't have the wrestlers today. Don't use the, the political conflicts. Correct. Correct. That, that, you know, Baron von Raschke is a German and, and Sheik Adnan LKC as an Iraqi, um, they certainly all look great picture, but yeah, an Italian and an Iraqi as a couple of native Americans. Um,
1: (laughs) Hey, it's It's the world of wrestling and I'm sure in some wrestling centers around the United States, they're still fighting world war II. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the way it, it was with Adnan, but the Billy White Wolf persona, I mean, this guy was clean cut. He was a scientific wrestler. He had the background going in. He had that basic wrestling ability and it was just a natural for him to become the baby face. And what a, what a complete transition, uh, when he became the, the chic in the AWA area and uh, you know, the rest is history. We we've got some stories about Adnan that we have got to tell, um, but again, you talk about a guy who ran the gamut, comes here, great, great uh, amateur wrestling background, becomes a Native American, wins a tag team championship. And then lo and behold, he becomes a sheik uh, years later and kind of finished up that that career or his career that way. The guy, the hated guy who was a member of the Hopkins Lions uh, <laughs> here, in, here in the Twin Cities area. Uh, So many stories about Adnan LKC. And again, you know, we can talk about the championships ad nauseum, but that's not what we want to do. You're going to get that all over the Internet and podcasts and everything else as people people celebrate his life. But we've got some personal stories that will give you a little bit of insight uh, into Sheik Adnan LKC away from the ring. And, Joe, you and I knew him very well. You worked with him uh, from a production standpoint, you know, in some of his matches. And I, of course, uh, called some of his matches, had him as a guest on the SNR. That's what we want to talk about because you're not going to hear these stories anywhere else, folks. Uh, the, what, what we call the real Adnan LKC. And, of course, when he came to the AWA, he had that infamous run-in with Tito Santana that really put him on the map, uh, uh, Adnan's dancing girl got a little bit, well, look at him, look at him there, look at that that, that damn sword. And we're going to talk about that thing too a little bit later on. But uh, Tito Santana, the Adnan's dancing girl got a little bit too close to Tito. And Tito didn't move, but he was kind of eyeing her up and down. and uh, And she didn't go for that. And uh, he pulled the uh, his his harem girl away from Tito Santana, roughed her up a little bit, and when Tito tried to intervene, he got clocked with that Adnan LKC sword, and the rest is history. That was the trajectory. It started right there for the Sheik.
0: That's when it started for me. Couldn't stand the man. It's like it didn't like him before that, but that incident on All Star Wrestling uh, really put it over the top for me as a fan, uh, and as we've mentioned before, uh, that situation that happened in All-Star Wrestling, it was very rare because it was typically a squash match. You'd have Tony Leone getting a snap kicked out of him by uh, Hulk Hogan or, uh, or The Crusher or, or whomever, and so to have a match of that was supposed to be a match of Tito Santana and Sheik Adnan LKC in All-Star Wrestling pretty damn big deal. Of course, the match didn't happen. It's a whole angle set up and and so forth. But the Sheik's, the the disdain for Adnan uh, really kicked up there and it just kept getting bigger and badder and better or worse, depending on your perspective, right up unto the Sheik's army. And what really put it over the top for me with Adnan was when he bought, when he bought Ken Patera from the Sheikh's army, it was like USOB after everything that we had gone through in the Middle East, uh, you know, with the hostage, hostage situation. And yes, I know that was Iran, not Iraq, but it was just, now using his money, his wealth from, from uh Saddam Hussein to purchase an American Olympian to become a part of his harem, it just went up to another level, Nick.
1: Makes you sick to your stomach, doesn't it? You know, I mean the, the guy had no scruples whatsoever, and and Jerry Blackwell, a guy from Georgia, Stone Mountain, Georgia, good old American boy, and Ken Patera. I mean, these guys sold their soul to Sheik Adnan, LKC, uh, you know, and of course, Bobby Heenan is involved in that sale. And, you know, that's there. You got another diabolical, you know, SOB getting involved. So the AWA had a, had a whole slew of really real slugs uh, back in the day, but uh, there you see Blackwell and Adnan and boy, you talk about two guys that got heat. Oh my God. You throw Ken Patera into the mix and, it was just extraordinary. And then, of course, everybody knows the run that they had here, tag team championships, singles matches with Fashan, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, when uh, when Adnan goes to New York, and this is right during the Gulf War, or right after the Gulf War, Vince McMahon comes up with this brilliant idea that uh, Sergeant Slaughter is going to become an American trader, and he is going to... Managed by now, General Adnan. Now he's not a sheikh anymore. Now he's a general. And you talk about the heat! Oh dear God, they were getting death threats night after night. Adnan once told me they even got a a letter from Washington. I don't know if it was from the White House or the Senate or what that said. You got to stop this. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna be party to this, and we're not gonna be responsible. If something happens to you at one of these arena shows, so Adnan genuinely feared for his life.
0: Well, and this was uh, also kayfabe was still alive and well mm-hmm. by this point. Yep. Yep. You know, so the, the uh, you did, we didn't have the internet; people weren't smartened up as much as certainly as they are nowadays. And so, yeah, there was there was definite heat and a true dislike for this entire mm-hmm. angle. But that just proves how damn good it was.
2: Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, you know, Slaughter being the Iraqi sympathizer, along with somebody who was legitimately Iraqi, who had that connection, even though it had been, you know, severed from years ago. Uh, on the personal side, like you'd mentioned, Joe, the kayfabe, that was one of those that I think at that point in time, I think it would have been so hard in the, what, early 90s to generate that kind of heat, but he was still able to do it when maybe the Band-Aid of the wrestling business was starting to be ripped off.
1: You know, it's, it's no coincidence, Chris. If you look at the picture that you've got up right now, Sheikh Adnan is a dead ringer for Saddam Hussein. You know, I think,
2: think that like, I, th- I think that helps. Like you look at him, you're like, "That's fucking Saddam Hussein." Oh you're you're, you're, chan- I mean, you're channeling your anger to Saddam through Adnan because of just like the the spitting image.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, you go back to those old Billy White Wolf uh, clean cut pictures that we put up before. I mean, they're again, this is by design. He wanted yeah. to look exactly like Saddam Hussein. Which only added to the heat and the risk. It was
2: of it was brilliant. I, I mean, brilliant. it was it was brilliant from his perspective. I mean, I know it's you know not AWA, and it was Vince McMahon, but it it was brilliant for Adnan to take it, and I feel like that gave him an, another, you know, I don't want to say another life, but it it extended his career Absolutely. to a point that it 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 exposed him to the WWF audience.
1: Absolutely. So, so you look at Adnan and Joe, I know you'll agree with this. So you got a guy who's in the business for how many decades and he really had three separate careers. He's Billy White Wolf, he's Sheik Adnan, and then he's General Adnan. And he, he did it so well, so well. But it, let, let's get into these stories because we get, we got about a half hour left and and there's some stuff that, that we really want to talk about with him. And I, I want to start with one that I've, I've always felt, do I want to tell this one on the air? Yeah, why not? Adnan told me, and this will give you some indication, ladies and gentlemen, of the kind of guy he was. Back in the early 60s, uh, Adnan and Nick Bockwinkle, the eventual mortal enemies, were rooming together in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, they're both young guys. I believe they were both single at the time. And uh, they had a uh, they had a couple of ladies uh, come up to their their flat, which I believe was was right on the uh, right on the ocean there, and uh, apparently Adnan went in the other room. He's fixing food or whatever, and and Nick fell asleep on the couch. And when he fell asleep, the young lady that Nick was with <clears throat> suddenly decided to use body paint on Nick. And uh, Nick, I I don't think, was fully clothed at the time, or, you know, he was partially clothed or whatever. And all of a sudden, to hear Adnan tell it, and they were using kayfabe, so Nick was referring to Adnan as Billy. uh, Adnan hears Nick yell, Billy! Adnan goes running into the living room to see what's going on, and poor Nick is having an allergic reaction to the body paint. And let me just say this, Uh, Nick's grapefruits were slowly expanding into watermelons uh, right before Adnan's eyes, and they actually had to call an ambulance and haul Nick to the hospital with his his balls the size of, of globes. And of course you know to hear Adnan tell it I've never seen anything like that in my life you know uh, So that's that's just one story about uh, about Sheikh and Nick and we have we have so
0: many more Yeah Adnan so I was a, an AWA fan in the 70s in fact the early 80s uh, I didn't start until uh, October seventh of nineteen eighty-five, and early on, I wasn't directing yet. I was still, you know, green in the business, green in uh, in video production, so I was running camera. Well, um, Ednan, <laughs> he always loved a good rib. He, it wasn't it wasn't in the vein of a Kurt Henning or the Midnight Rockers. It was just Adnan being Adnan. Gotcha. So I'm running camera and like we're taping. Okay. I've got Larry Nelson right in front of me with whomever is going to be on the interview with him. Got my headset on. Got my hands on the tripod handles. And all of a sudden it's like, what the hell? Somebody's trying to stick something in my ass. Obviously, I got my jeans on. It's not going in there, but keeps poking me in the ass. I'm turning around and there's Adnan with his sword still in the sheath and just sitting there poking me for the entire interview. And I'm like, Adnan, I'm, no, I've got yeah, I'm, I'm working here. It's, I'm a 20-year-old kid starting in the business, working with guys who I had watched in the ring I'd idolized to a certain degree. I, they weren't my heroes or anything, but I had admired them, been fans of theirs, and there is just Adnan just sticking, sticking it up my ass. So the interview gets done, and I apologize to Mike Shields, who was the director at the time. I go, Mike, you know, sorry, I got Adnan, you know, trying to rib me and sticking a sword up my ass. And Mike Shields just replies, well, then, young man, welcome to the club.
1: And that says it all. And, you know, I had the opportunity, I don't know if it's an opportunity, if I use the right word, Uh, Adnan was working an independent show somewhere, and it was outdoors, and I was introducing him as he was making his way to the ring. Well, you know, I had kind of an ample posterior back then in the day as well, not that I don't now, (laughs) and I was sitting on a folding chair, and apparently half of this posterior was hanging over the chair. That's a that's a later shot of me interviewing Adnan. But as I'm saying from Baghdad, Iraq, to blah, blah, blah I got a shot with the sword as well. The old proctologist gave me a gave me a shot. So she Adnan LKC became she yeah. and uh, and then of course he had to wrap the wrap the turban around his his face. But you could see he was shaking uh, with laughter. So he he, he got me to. Uh, How did you introduce him, Mick? I don't want to do that again, Chris, because uh, <laughs> I'll, the, the vocal cords almost went that time. Um, gee, I, 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 like that. Um, let, let's fast forward, speaking of swords, to the infamous incident on Saturday night at ringside. Adnan is in the studio and he is going to promote a series of matches that he has coming up for Eddie Sharkey's PWA promotion. And he's got a watermelon with him. And I told this story before on the air, but it bears repeating because again, it's, it's Adnan. And the idea was that at some point during the interview, Adnan was going to go over to this watermelon, which was positioned on a table hit it with his sword and split it in half. And this was going to represent all his future opponents in the PWA, Charlie Norris, Tommy Ferrara, whoever the the case may be. Well, it took us about 15 minutes to get the damn watermelon. And there's there's chic with uh, with Eddie Sharkey. It took us about 15 minutes to position this watermelon on the table because the damn thing kept rolling like it was going to fall on the floor. So we're holding up taping while we get this thing positioned. Now we come back and add on, you know, what are you, what are you doing here, Sheik? What do you got? A watermelon? Put the, put the sword away, Sheik? No. This represent Tommy Farada, Charlie Norris. And he hits the watermelon with the sword, splits the watermelon in half, but the sword broke. <laughs> the sword broke away from the handle. Sheik's heirloom sword. Uh, jewels are flying. the The sword is broken, and I looked at Adnan, and he's just beet red. And I'm holding. I'm stifling a laugh, and Adnan is furious. And as soon as the camera turned off, God damn it! I should never. I don't know why. I, next time, I bring a tomato. You know, <laughs> it was <laughs> classic, classic stuff. He was furious. He was furious in that sword. I, what are you taking a sword repair shop? I, I don't know, but, uh, that was just another incident, uh, with adding on LKC and, and Chris, I know you have a, uh, a favorite story that you would like us to tell as well here.
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you've told it here on the podcast before, if you have, I apologize, but I, tell me about the bike story and how he approached, uh, apparently, uh, a young man who was on a bike that he had made himself? Um,
1: (laughs) This is the, the essence of Sheik There was going to be a card in South Dakota and uh, we were going to be traveling to that show and we were going through an area of heavy traffic. The Minnesota Renaissance festival was going on at the time so before we get out of the state of minnesota it's bumper to bumper to bumper traffic i mean we are at a dead stop and adnan looks off to his right i'm in the back seat i believe jay Soltis, referee was driving and adnan looks over and he sees a kid probably 12 13 years old and this kid is obviously i want to be politically correct here some he's a little touched well adnan rolls down the window and we're all thinking oh please no no and, and not leave him alone and i'm just sinking in the back seat and adnan yells to this kid this innocent kid come here you prick well the kid i i don't know if he was he was like a deer in the headlights i don't know if he was memorized mesmerized. By Adnan, instead of doing the smart thing and hightailing his ass out of there, he walks So, kind of walks his bike over to where, you know, the, the car. And Adnan says, where did you get that bike? I made it at home, sir. I can see that you made it at home. One wheel is small. One wheel is big. Where do you? Who, who taught you how to make a bike? And this poor kid. I'm telling you, Chris, the beads of sweat, the tears are forming. And I I kick the back of Adnan's seat and he roll up the window. And I'm telling you, to this day, the kid is probably 10, 12 years ago. The kid is still there. He's still going in circles <laughs> in that little parking lot on his homemade bike. Adnan knew no boundaries. Oh, my God.
2: I, I hear that story and it's so inappropriate. But it's, it's, I mean, you tell it to, and it's like, I don't even know how to respond to it because it's so out of the ordinary from what you hear nowadays. But I just find it hilarious that out of nowhere, he would just find this innocent kid yep. and pick on him. Uh, you know, and you it's know what's just, great about this? Joe and I are putting
1: this guy over like he can walk on water, like he's the nicest guy in the world. And then you tell that. And then we tell that story, and we tell stories of swords going up our ass and everything else. We got, the, we got a serial killer, and we're putting them over like, uh, you know, Gandhi.
0: Well, it's like I've said how many times on this show. <laughs> Professional wrestlers are just old teenagers. They love to still have fun. Sometimes it might go a little bit further than it should. But they just love to have fun. And when you're traveling on the road by car with a bunch of guys, you know, for a couple, two, three, four, sometimes longer hours, you got to find something to do. And then sometimes the ideas are good. Sometimes, eh, not so much. But, yeah, Adnan, as I said earlier, he loved to rib people. And that was a, that was a good one.
1: You had the opportunity, as I did, to work in the studio with Adnan, who loved his garlic.
0: Oh, God.
1: He loved his garlic, and he loved his tabbouleh, a Mediterranean salad. And he would deliberately, right before he came into the interview area, I don't know if he did this with you, Joe, he would take a bite out of that raw garlic, and he would come in, and I would, you know, introduce him, and he would, well... You know, and he would deliberately, the nose hairs got burned, the eyebrows got singed, and again, a rib by the chic.
0: A rib, yes, but he genuinely loved garlic so much. He would walk into the studio. I literally could smell that Adnan was here. I did not have to look or hear his voice, I could smell Adnan. 20 feet away. He could be on the other side of the control room door. And I knew Adnan was in the studio. He would chomp on cloves of garlic. Uh, and and by the way, oftentimes Adnan had his own little corner in the studio because the boys didn't want to be close to him. It was the stench. Not that it was horrible. I I I love garlic let's just say it was pretty damn strong. And to try to smell that for anywhere from six to nine hours on an interview day became a little overbearing. But the the only saving grace is I never had to worry about vampires.
1: Very good point. Very good point. And, yes, you are are correct. Adnan's breath on those interview days could knock a buzzard off a shit wagon. But uh, continuing on, here's another Adnan story. Uh, A couple of months back, we lost a uh, a good friend of ours, Mike Warkel, who refereed in the PWA as Mike Diamond. And when Adnan retired, he opened up a deli in downtown Minneapolis, uh, right off of, I believe, Hennepin, Harman, kind of in that that area. And Mike Diamond had the misfortune of working for Adnan. And, you know, it was just doing handiwork around the joint or whatever it was. But uh, sadly, Mike Diamond wound up refereeing one of Adnan's matches. And I believe this was at a Northern Premier wrestling event. And (laughs) Adnan was Adnan. And, And Mike Diamond had very little hair left. He, You know, he had a little sprout of hair. But Adnan, for some reason or other, got into an argument with Mike Diamond. And again, remember, this is his employee away from the ring. Adnan sinks his hands into those remaining hairs. And he is pulling and pushing poor Mike Diamond. And he's looking over at the announce table because he knows we're all mortified, but we're laughing hysterically as well. He's brutalizing this poor kid. And then, you know, Mike Diamond, he's got tears running out of his eyes. And, of course, again, Adnan, after this is all over, he's got to cover up his face because he's laughing hysterically. So even if you were an employee of Sheik Adnan Al Casey, you were not safe. And Mike Diamond, God bless him, till the day he passed, he still remembered that incident like it was a week ago. Incredible.
0: Well, let's talk about a couple of other guys who worked for the sheep. Uh, the first one I want to bring up, and, and he said it all the time in the in his interviews, I worked for the sheep. Oh, he, that's good. he pays me good money to hurt people, and I beat him up. We're talking about, of course, King Kong Bruiser Brody, and uh-huh. when he was brought in by Adnan, uh, Brody scared the living shit out of me. And by this point, I was a 19-year-old kid when, when Brody, 18 or 19, when Brody came aboard. But Adnan rode Brody and Brody rode Adnan. Two of them just, they made it such an incredible pairing of a manager and a wrestler uh, and then of course, uh, it, it, he brought him in for a couple of shots, but we had brought it up before about the single greatest turn in wrestling in AWA, the uh, Blackwell turn. Well, the other guy is Abdullah the Butcher. Um, uh, the hell's he eating there? Oh, god, it looks like some liver. Oh, it, you know, uh, Abby, oh, wow, um. But, you know, there was a, uh, a group or a faction in the WWF uh, 2000s, maybe in the teens, called the Oddities. I think they took the example or the, they, they followed the theme that Adnan had when you've got Blackwell, Brody, Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> Talk about some oddities for, in a faction. I think Adnan started that one. You
1: know, you add to that list, Nord the Barbarian, who's not exactly, you know, the most, the most meek, quiet guy in the classroom. Uh, you had the Mongolian Stomper uh, was part of that that faction, Sheik's Army. Uh, even Ali Khan, Tom <laughs> Lintz, towards the very end, managed to uh, sneak in there and become a, a member of Sheik's Army. So, yeah, they definitely were the oddities. Uh, the, the, the Brody-Blackwell feud... One of the greatest in AWA history, no question about it. And uh, and again, the catalyst for all this, the centerpiece is Sheikh Adnan LKC putting all these guys together, you know, all the animals, all the beasts in the wrestling world to accomplish his goals. Now, I don't know if all these guys, be, you know, were waiting to go back to uh, the airport in Baghdad. Um, you know, where the caravan was waiting and remember the barking of the dogs will not stop the caravan. Adnan told us that many times that to me, this picture that we got up there right now, Joe, that I I love this picture. And it was actually sent to me by one of, you know, Adnan's sons. And, you know, this is later on, obviously. uh, But boy, there is the essence of Adnan. And if you look closely, if you look at that fierce expression on his face, I'm telling you, you can see the twinkle in his eye. And, and it was always there, no matter what he was doing, no matter who he was shish-kebobbing with the sword, no matter no matter what, you always saw that gleam in Adnan's eye because he loved what he was doing.
0: Well, one name that we uh, did not mention was Boris Zukov. And the I reason that know. it comes to mind, uh, when Boris first became a part of the Sheikh's army, <laughs> we're, we're in the studio and the interviews back then were bullet points, okay? They, it, the, the the talent or the wrestlers were given, okay, plug this town, here's the time, here's the venue, sponsors, and who's, here's who you're wrestling, and this is the angle. Well, Adnan brings Boris Zukov into the interview and unbeknownst to anybody, um, Adnan starts talking about the size of Boris Zukov's head. And he wasn't wrong. I mean, Boris did have a very large melon. Yeah. But he's going on and on about the size of Boris Zukov's head. I could see Boris was doing everything in his power to not start breaking up. The boys behind me and off to the side, they're all, you know, doing the interview got done. It was over, and that entire room just burst out laughing, including Vern and including Greg. Just about how Adnan would go on and on about the size of this this new guy's big head.
1: You know, and, and Boris did have a head that looked like a light bulb. There's, there's no question about it, have the neck, and then everything just, you know, kind of like Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, behind the curtain. Um, and, of course, we, we talked before about how Adnan, when he was still managing Jerry Blackwell, and Blackwell would not show up for an interview, they'd ask where Jerry was, and Adnan, of course, he's getting a massage, you know. <laughs> it takes two, three, four women to massage because... He has a big back, you know. (laughs) It was just what we're trying to do here, folks, and I hope we've done it, is give you the essence of Sheik Adnan LKC away from the ring. And I mentioned he was a member of the Hopkins Lions. Uh, He was a very giving individual, although his reputation was that he tossed nickels around like they were garbage can covers. Uh, but Adnan was, if, if Adnan liked you and he liked a lot of people, you were a friend for life. And when you walked into that room, that interview area, whatever it was, you know, whether he's yelling at you, Joe, you know, about your heritage or he's, you know, yelling about me asking how my crotch is, which I I never quite understood (laughs) why he was fixated on that. And there's, there's a shot that I love. This one goes back 31 years. And uh, that's Chris Markoff, Wally Carball, there's Adnan, uh, Stan Kowalski, Kenny J, and uh, Dr. X, uh, along with myself and Stan giving me a, a little chiropractic treatment there. Um, Adnan was a gem of a guy. And as we're wrapping up here, um, you know, a couple of years ago, Adnan tragically lost one of his sons. And, uh, you know, to a, a, an overdose situation. And it, it knocked him for a loop. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, disbelief on Adnan's part. Uh, this is kind of as he's entering the, his twilight years in Hawaii. It was a tough road for him to, to hold back then. Um, so things started changing in Adnan's life. And the last couple of, couple of years, especially the last, Six months or so. Uh, we're not very kind to Adnan from a physical standpoint, but I want to tell you, and, and I've I've said this before, and I'm sure you agree. And I, I mentioned this on on the Slick Mick page. In the wrestling world, you got over the years, if you're around long enough, you got hundreds, thousands of acquaintances, and you got a handful of friends. I mean, real friends that you develop that bond with that lasts for years and years and uh for me adnan lkc um just one of the greatest greatest friends i had in the wrestling business he ribbed the shit out of me but i loved it i loved every minute of it and uh talk about a guy that's going to be sorely missed not just because of his his wrestling prowess and his managerial prowess and his talent in front of the microphone but because of the kind of a human being he was, I absolutely love this guy. Uh, rest in peace, Adnan.
0: Yeah, the um, just sort of reflecting back the last time that I saw Adnan, it would have been uh, just over two years ago. Um, it was uh, an event down in Stillwater, and uh, I was I was at the show uh, working backstage, and the promoter had told me that. Adnan was going to be here. Now, I had not seen Adnan since, I want to say, 1989. And this would have been August of 2021. So 32 years. And there, my, rightfully so, my head is cut off. So I apologize for not sizing that properly for you, Chris. But um, it, it was at that event. And uh, it, when he told me I got the promoter told me that Adnan was going to be there. I got excited because I hadn't seen him for so many years. He had, you know, moved to uh, Hawaii and so forth. And when he pulled up, his daughter drove him in this big black uh, uh, SUV. I'm like, okay, this is appropriate. Here we, we've got Saddam Hussein Jr. pulling up, and. When, as I'm walking towards the car, I could see Adnan looking at me and he just had this big smile on his face, but it wasn't, it wasn't a clear smile. And by that, I mean that he, when he looked at me and saw me, I got a glimmer that he knew who I was, but it had been so many years. And as Mick referenced, I mean, Adnan had some, uh, some health issues, shall we say at the end. And uh, went to the passenger side door, opened it up. And I go, Adnan, you chic, sheik, you sheik's a freak. You cockroach. Another one of his things that he always loved to say to Gary Derush and I. And he looks at me and he's still got that brilliant Adnan smile. And I go, sheik, remember who I am? And he was, I could see that he... Could tell, but he couldn't remember it. I go, remember a production guy, Polish Joe, he used to stick the sword up my ass. He goes, Polish Joe! You got all excited. He got out of it, and, you know, gave me a big hug, took that picture. We started talking about the old AWA days. Uh, he looked, still looked great, had that tan that he always loved to have. And then I proceeded to tell him when we got done with our little shtick and told him, hey um, uh, we, 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 got a, a wrestler over here, Eddie Sharkey Remember Eddie. Oh yeah. And to see, and I recorded it, put it on my uh, Facebook page, the two of them slowly walking back together again, and they got back together. And for that instance, instant, I had my childhood come back to me and I could see that these two legends Got back together again for the first time in so many years and seeing them in their uh, advanced age, their physical limitations were very evident. But I could still just look at them and smile because for that instant, I'm watching All-Star Wrestling on Saturday evenings, later Sunday mornings, and reliving those early days of the AWA. So, Adnan... Thank you for everything you did. I grew up hating you, and that means that you, sir, did your job well.
1: That he did, and and Joe, uh, very well put. You know, you captured the essence of the old-school wrestlers, guys, that uh, we grew up with that don't see each other for decades, and then when they reunite, it is, it's just like old home week, and it was – it's great to see. And uh, in conclusion, um, again, if you want to read about Adnan L. Casey's wrestling career, it's on the Internet. It's out there. Uh, we wanted to uh, kind of show you a different side of Adnan. And uh, if you thought he was this mean, nasty, horrible, infidel uh, you know, that wanted to take the, the titles back to Iraq, that was not the case. Uh, Adnan was uh, he loved this country. He loved the wrestling fans. And uh, we loved him. So Adnan, uh, in conclusion, my friend, fly high. And uh, thank you for everything.